Support for this podcast comes from Goodman. Goodman Manufacturing Company LP produces a complete line of refreshingly affordable air conditioning and heating equipment. All Goodman brand products are designed, engineered, and assembled in the United States. For more information, visit GoodmanMFG.com. I think one of the things I want to make sure is clear is, is that it's really not you or I. Yeah. No. Um, you're playing more tennis now, so <laughs> uh, which is which is really cool. Um, it's our team. Yeah. It's our team. It's it's we have a great group of folks. Yeah. And um, and I'm emotional about it. Um, they're the ones that are creating the results. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. So um, the what with the why? I think. Um, when I get the opportunity to talk to them, I talk about the radio station WIIFM. Mm-hmm. What's in it for me? <laughs> and so, what we try to do is start with a process to say, "Here's where we're here's where we're going. This is why we need to do this. Here's the change we need to make. Yeah. And then the last part is, what's in it for you? Yeah. And and we try to line that up with how it affects them. And I will give Missy the credit for that again, because as a business owner, especially as somebody who justifies by looking at a spreadsheet and a yeah. P&L and a balance sheet, what's important to the owner, and Missy was really clear about this, it's not that the, the owner or the leader doesn't realize it. It's just we just sometimes don't walk in their shoes enough or have the empathy. Sure. But the issue is this. It won't sell if they don't listen. Yeah. Right. And they're not going to listen if it's not about them. So make it about them. Welcome to the Successful Contractor Podcast, powered by Success Group International, a show for residential contractors about residential contractors. We chronicle business journeys share insights, and celebrate successes in this wonderful industry. I'm your host, Bob Houchin. Hey there, podcast listeners. I'm excited to share with you a conversation I had with Brent and Jenny Garrett of Sirius Plumbing and Air Conditioning in Dallas, Texas. I have to tell you, Sirius Plumbing and Air Conditioning is up to some incredible things. Over the last two years, the company has more than doubled its sales at a healthy profitability, and it's done so while changing its primary focus from warranty work to retail contracting. And as you'll hear in my interview with Brent and Jenny, it wasn't always a smooth transition. Brent and Jenny are savvy operators. Let me just get that across right now. They've had a long history of successfully owning, operating, and even selling businesses. And while that's helped them overcome a lot of the trials and tribulations over this massive 20-plus month transition, that hasn't been the biggest reason for their success. Brent and Jenny are quick to point out the efforts of their team, the men and women who've agreed to sometimes trudge through all this change, have provided the winning edge that's led to this explosive growth. One last note before starting the interview. I would challenge you, especially if you're an owner or manager, to listen to the emphasis Brent and Jenny place on culture, communication, and core values, all leadership pillars that hold up a strong, healthy organization. These two know who they are and what's important to them in their family business. And it too has been a big reason for their success. This was a really fun conversation for me. I could have talked to Brent and Jenny for another hour. So it's my hope you'll enjoy it as well and take away another two. 
Well, Brent and Jenny, I am so excited to have you guys on the show today. Uh, for those who are listening, could you please share with them your uh, name, your company name, and where you guys are located? Yeah, it's great to be with you. Uh, my name's Brent Garrett, and um, we're here in Dallas, Texas. I'm Jenny Garrett. Very good. And what's the name of your company? We're Serious Plumbing and Air Conditioning. I like it. I like it. Very good. Very good. And uh, just some some over overview of, of uh, why we're talking today. From what I understand, you guys have had a stellar last year or so. Can you maybe share with the audience how how's the company grown? How's uh, profit grown in the last year plus? Yeah, over the the last prior year in 2020, we grew 49 percent over prior year. We we closed 19. 2019 at 2.6 million and it looks like we're going to top off got pretty much got the books closed um at about 3.9 this year so wow. some pretty phenomenal growth yeah with covid and all that yeah and, and a strong uh, net profit to go with that that revenue growth yeah the exciting thing is is that we didn't grow our net profit percentage but we maintained which with the, with that kind of growth it, that's impressive we're really excited about that that's really impressive that's great that's fantastic um let's talk about uh before we get into your your personal stories and how you got into this industry uh let's talk about your team a little bit so what is uh so you guys are obviously two trades um what what are you mostly heavy in plumbing or ac is it 50 50 what do you say you know, it's pretty balanced. We um, we finished 2020 at a total of uh, about one about 1.9 in HVAC uh-huh. and about 1.7 in plumbing. Wow. So, um, of course, plumbing's less seasonal. Sure, HVAC's more um, replacement driven. Sure, sure. That's good balance. Okay, very good, very good. Um, on the plumbing side, let's talk. Uh, let's talk field first. So, what? Uh, how many? How many techs do you have in the field on the plumbing side? Um, we currently have twelve techs in plumbing and 11, 11 total uh, team members in the field on HVAC. Now, the breakdown on that is um, any, from seasonality, anywhere from four to six service techs and a couple install crews. And those are two man crews. Okay. Very good. Uh, on the HVAC side, are your technicians selling equipment or do you have dedicated salespeople? Yeah, we, we have, uh, we, we have selling techs. Mm-hmm. We do not have, um, comfort advisors. Okay. Very good. Uh, how about apprentices? Do you have any apprentices on the plumbing side or, or HVAC side kind of learning and, uh, going to be funneled up at some point? Yeah, that's the exciting thing about our business right now is, is that um, we have four apprentice oh, wow. plumbers and something that's a little unique um, to our business is we do quite a bit of home warranty. Right, right. So we're able to bring those apprentice in and within 30 to 90 days, they're actually running um, what we call level one service calls. Um, they're not working on fresh water. They would be uh, changing out garbage disposals, helping on water heaters, those types of things. Yep. But they're getting um, pretty quickly in our in our environment a customer interaction where they're actually running a service call. That's great. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. And we will dig into the warranty stuff because I'm interested by that because we don't see a lot of that. But if you, it sounds like you've got it figured out a bit. Um, on uh, the inside there, um, so in the office, what uh, what's the the personnel breakdown? What do you CCRs, dispatchers, managers? 
share with me the crew in there. Yes. Yeah, so the way we're structured is we have team leads. Okay. Um, so a plumbing team lead would be responsible for anywhere from three to five technicians. Okay. They are a part of the field management team. Um, we obviously don't call managers because we want them to, to understand that their primary function is to support the guys in the field, um, make key sales, key sales, and then, um, uh, be a part of the planning and strategy. Um, and then that moves, uh, in a little different direction. We have dispatchers that are more aligned with the field side. Okay. What's going on. Yeah. Um, and then that's supported, um, by an assistant GM. Okay. And that assistant GM, um, has, um, the office manager side of the business, but also has, um, a foot in the camp of operations. And then that assistant GM rolls up to me mm-hmm. and, um, uh, we have a call center manager, right. That's uh, autonomous mm-hmm. in terms of field. Um, they also have recruiting and marketing activities. Okay. Um, so, um, and we just hired a bookkeeper. Okay. Um, so that's kind of how we're structured. Yeah. Jenny, um, is, is key to our business. Um, but our goal when we joined SGI was to own a business, not a job. <laughs> and one of those first three year goals was for her to be able to take a step back Great. from the business. Yeah. And so what in the last three or four months, you're down to how many days a week? Just a couple days a week. Yeah. A couple That's days great. a week. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Jenny, what were you, what were you primarily handling, uh, before full time as you stepped away? Um, accounts receivable business, um, working with our warranty company that we do work for also, um, like special customer requests, um, kind of watching technician, uh, licensing and then a little bit of HR. So kind of as needed where things would pop up and then, um, oversight on, um, check parts and parts ordering, that kind of thing. Okay. Very good. Very good. Well, that's exciting. Good for you. you guys are, are, are meeting these big goals. That's great to hear. Um, yeah, let's talk about your background in the trades a little bit. So, Brent, I'm assuming you're the one that, that got you into this uh, this crazy industry. So uh, I know uh, before we started the interview, you mentioned you, you guys are in Dallas, but you originally are from the Illinois uh, area. So uh, first of all, how'd you end up in Texas? Let's Let's start there. Um, well, I, that's a great question. I, uh, ended up going to school in Arkansas. I moved from Illinois when I was 14 to Arkansas and then ended up, um, getting my college degree there Okay, and, um, worked in Little Rock for a little bit. And, um, and I moved to Texas when I was about 23. Okay. I had about a 50 page business plan and about <laughs> 10,000 bucks and wow started a company from the truck, um, had an Astro van and a bag phone and alpha pager for anybody that's over 40. They know what those are. (laughs) That's great. But, um, yeah, we, we grew that, um, into a little over $1.3 million company and, um, sold that to service master. Really? Um, consolidation craze in the late nineties. Yeah. And, um, and then Jenny and I moved to Germantown in Memphis. Yeah, joined the executive team there with Service Master, and so 
got our, I got my corporate polish there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and experience. Um, and then we moved, um, to Phoenix, right. For two or three years, um, was, was in a group, um, a family group. I was there as a, a manager and then was a principal. And, um, we wanted the, the agreement was we were going to get back to Texas. Okay. Um, before our son got into school. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so that's how we ended up back in Texas. Very good. And you wanted to start your own business or, or have your own business versus work for somebody. I did. Okay. I did. Okay. Yeah. So did, yeah. You, did you start serious or did you, did you purchase it and, and build it? So that's, that's another good question. Um, we started a company called star home comfort in 2005. Okay. Um, and we had two business partners. We had a service center in Houston. Um, call center was here in Dallas. And um, we just never found the traction that we wanted to um, with the partnership. Um, and we bought our partners out in 2015. Okay. And um, I actually got online and looked for the second brightest star in the universe. And it's serious. <laughs> okay. And so I called my attorney and said, Hey, <laughs> I know there's another little company that's already got this name, but here it is. And he said, well, if they don't plan on going into the plumbing business, you don't plan on going in the radio business. I'd, I'd be a good name. So right. we ended up getting it filed. So if they do get in the plumbing business, I think I'll call the attorney again, and see if they're interested in buying it. <laughs> that's great. That's great. So Sirius was truly uh, a new build. It was from the ground up. You didn't have any customers. It was just the two of you and some ambition. Actually, what we did was we bought our partners out mm-hmm. and we, um, we liquidated Star Home Comfort. Um, and we only bought the phone number and the customer base in the Dallas area. Very good. So, so we started from there. We had a little bit of a kickstart and we, we were we were well established here in the Dallas area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very good. And so, all right. So at that point, when Sirius was born, talk about what did the business, uh, what did the business look like at that point? So how many techs were you running in those early days? Uh, were you in the field back then or had you been pretty much said enough of that? I'm, I'm, I'm used to being in the office. Yeah. I've been out of the field for ever since that first company sale, pretty much. I mean, um, relatively speaking, um, I've got a background in accounting. So, you know, I kid with folks that I'm an accountant trapped in a plumber's body. (laughs) And, um, and so when we bought star home comfort, um, we obviously still owned the Houston branch. I think within a month or two, we shut that down, moved the assets up here. What was funny is that first year in business, we, um, did slightly more revenue in Dallas then we did both service centers the year before. Really? And then from there we were off and running and Jenny can probably add more to this, but we always looked at the business until our kids got out of, of, of high school. Um, or I should say the last one got out of high school, um, as a lifestyle business. Okay. Um, we, we really held the growth of the business back. Right. Um, it was important for us to be able to be involved with the kids and good for you. Uh, we were fortunate enough because of owning a business that um, Jenny was able to set her schedule yeah. and really it was around the kids schedule and um, 
And then, uh, uh, so, so for, for really what through 2018, 18, yeah. um, was when we started to look toward SGI or yeah. we started sitting out and saying, okay, what do we want to do with this business? Right. What made you in 2018 to, to ask yourselves, what do we want from this business? What changed? Why don't you answer that, Jenny? I, uh, <laughs> I'd like to. I'd like to hear you Uh-oh. chime in. I'll, I'll chime in later. Go ahead. Well, I think, as Brett said, I mean, we we accomplished our goal of having a flexible schedule while our kids were up and through high school. Yeah. And once they were out, you know, out of the house, so to speak, you know, your time constraints change. Um, the grocery bill goes down. All those <laughs> things change. I bet that went down uh, quite a bit because I think you have a yeah. couple boys, right? A boy and a girl. A boy and a girl. Okay. Okay. They both, they're both athletes. They both eat a lot. Um, But I would think Brent is always looking forward and and he plans out five, 10, 15 years. And I think he was looking at really the next phase of the business and how we wanted to grow in this marketplace. We, we adjusted our, um, our routing around the city. We've, we've tightened, we know where our technicians go so that they're more efficient. So, and just by virtue of being in business, the amount of time that we had, we, we have a, a steady base of customers. We have the referral business. And so it was time to start thinking about expanding and how we wanted to do that in a controlled manner. But what maybe are we missing? And is there anything out there that could help us with the growth of the business? And I think that's when SGI came in the picture. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I think, um, what I would add to that is, um, Jenny and I always worked as a good team um, in that I like to say I played offense. She played defense. She would watch the back office, yeah, make sure that the coins didn't slip out, and I would try to bring them in and work with the field. That's great. Um, but our revenue has been pretty level, um, around $2 million. Okay. Um, the first three years, like I said, it was a lifestyle business right. where um, our focus was on family and the kids. Right. Um, I look at it a little differently, Jenny. I think maybe you said something like, um, I can't see you retiring or really coming home or what you would do. You only play so much golf. And, um, <laughs> and so, and I do have a passion for the business yeah. and, you know, I, so, um, I think the conversation started off first by saying, Hey, um, I want us to own a business, not a job. We've got other life experiences coming. Um, How do we get out of the day-to-day operations of the business? Obviously, you got to look at it as an accountant. And um, we needed enough revenue to support the overheads for people to absorb our jobs. What we learned was is we really were getting a lot done, the two of us. I think we found it took um, more. The math didn't work. R2 didn't equal four. Okay. Um, it, it was, we needed probably three or three and a half more people yeah. to add. So, um, we found SGI, I found SGI through a friend. Um, I went and talked to him about growing the company. He's a, he was a past CEO of a service master, um, business group that I worked with. Okay. And, um, funny enough, his neighbor was Ray last. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I know. And so I was, a, I was aware of SGI, but, um, at my lunch, he goes, Hey man, he said, you ought to, you ought to go check SGI out. And, um, and I said, okay. 
Um, so we called and, um, also give Jenny this credit. I, we talked about, it, said, Hey, look, what, what business segment do we think we want to grow first? Yeah. And, um, Jenny's great to ping off of, um, she said, well, it makes sense that we grow our plumbing first because it's less seasonal. Right. Um, and that was, that was great advice. So we, first of all, decided on which business segment, but, um, funny enough, I met Ray a couple weeks before we went to profit day. Mm-hmm. I said, Ray, I said, we live in Dallas. I'm ready to write a check. We want to join. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, but you got to go to profit day. I said, okay, great. Can I ask you a question? You're about eight blocks from our office. Why do we have to go to Oklahoma oh. <laughs> to sit through profit day? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, I think one of the things we like about SGI is, is that you have a proven process. Yeah. And, and, and Ray, you know, <laughs> said, look, we know what we have to do to be successful. We know a process and, and sitting here looking back after three years, I would say, um, we absolutely agree with that. So the next step we took was going to profit day and Jenny, I drove up, um, did you drive back through the snow in that? It was okay. just a very cold and windy yeah. January. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, yeah, I'm, I'm sure Ray's not going to listen to this, so, um, <laughs> so I'll go ahead and say it and admit it, that actually the drive up to talk about what we wanted to do and then going to Profit Day and then the drive back, we kind of we kind of developed our, our, I would say, broad brush plan. Yeah, yeah. And that drive back. Is that Two right? Two and a half hours, yeah. Yeah. So the rain was right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it got you out of the business, right? It got you out of the, the everyday, the everyday grind, and, and you could uh, you could just sit there and talk. So, um, yeah. So before we even uh, talk about EP, what what did you determine that you wanted over that drive? What what were the couple of main themes or changes that you're like, yeah, we need to do this and this, or we want? Yeah. This. So, so I'm. I'm always going to come at it a little bit from the numbers first to justify the plan. And yeah. I think Jenny and I both agreed that um, the steps were first for her to take a step back mm-hmm. is if she can't, I can't. Um, I think we also agreed in that conversation that stepping back for me would be to not be in the day-to-day operations. Mm-hmm. I'll always be involved in the business, um, but more from a strategy and, and, uh, accounting side. Um, so I think we came back saying, look, we need to get this to 5 million, mm-hmm. uh, term to support the overheads. And, um, that's kind of how I went to EP. Okay. So you said we got to get to 5 million and let's go to EP, see what they have to offer and, and see what can, can, uh, launch us to that $5 million mark. Okay. Yeah. Very good. All right. So EP, it was nice and easy, right? At least at eight blocks away, something like that, right? So, yeah. That was easy. <laughs> so talk about that week. Um, you know, you guys obviously are a little more sophisticated. You've had strong businesses. You know, we I, I talked to lots of people who had, had no business acumen going into those things. So uh, for you guys who, who had a, a pretty good idea of what you were doing, obviously you wanted to improve. What did you think of those four or five days? I, I was really impressed. Now I went, Jenny did not okay. to be consistent with what, where we were headed. Um, and, uh, funny enough, I just followed up my second EP. 
Oh, good um, for you. About, about a month ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a great opportunity, especially being in the corporate office, to to see see how how it all works. Yeah. Um, you know, um, I thought everything was very well organized, mapped out very well. And, um, and so while I was there, um, I love the fact, especially after going the second one is, is they're really trying to get you to focus in and identify, um, what are the two, three key action items that you need to initiate right now to get to your goal? And uh, I think it's really important to break it down into little, little steps. Yeah. Um, you know, and so that happened, I would say that was an important part. I would tell you that, um, I knew my next big sale was after the second day was to make sure, um, that I got Missy Jones as my coach. (laughs) And, uh, I don't know if she knows that, but I wasn't going to take no for an answer, but she, she was very gracious. And, um, and I would tell you that um, a large part, and Jenny, you can chime in on this if you want to, but a large part of our success is because of Missy's coaching. Oh, yes. Dear. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Uh, I'm sure she yeah. put you up to that, but no. I'm yeah. No, she really, <laughs> no she, I'm teasing you. She really didn't. If you know Missy, she wouldn't She wouldn't do that. No. She, um, <laughs> she's a, uh, you know, I remember, um, Rebecca saying what we look for in team members is humble, hungry, smart. Yeah. And we've adopted that here. Great. Uh, yeah. But I've, I've found Missy to be humble, hungry, and smart. Yeah. She's great. No, I love Missy. Yeah. That's good to hear. Yeah. That's good to hear. Wonderful. All right. So, um, you know, you, you got your coach, you, you sat through the four days. Uh, I know you had growth on your mind because you want to ultimately kind of pull yourself back. Right. But what, what needed to happen? What two or three things did you identify that needed to happen was serious to start projecting you towards that future that you wanted? So what are some of those early changes? Yeah, I think, I think before I give you those bullet points, I would say before leaving EP, you know, you had to get up in front of the group and, and say what you're going to do. Um, I think I was already there, but I think it's important to say that the person that has to change the most is the leader mm-hmm. and, um, or it's just not going to happen. Right. So I remember like yesterday that in front of the group, I looked Missy in the eye and said, if you tell me to do it, I'm not going to second guess it. I'm not, I'm, you tell me how high the pole is. I'm, I'm going to climb it. Yeah. And, um, that was really good advice for myself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, you know, and because I had I'd been in a corporate environment and was a bit of a coach in some other roles. Right. And I know how hard, it, you know, the, the teacher appears when the student's willing. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, you got to be a willing student. And usually if you're talking, you're not listening. So it was just a, a way for me to say, okay, we're going to go do this, but I know that I'm the one that needs to make the biggest change. Right. Um, so the three things I would say, um, our business, it was lifestyle. It did a great job. We could have clicked along like we are, uh, or like we were. Um, but what really, what Jenny and I talked about on the drive back from profit day was 
if we don't grow the business, there's really no growth and opportunity for our team. Right. Right. And so, um, and we had a, we have a phenomenal team of people and they have grown uh-huh. and the growth has created opportunities. Yes. Um, some have chosen not to take advantage of those opportunities and, sure. and they didn't totally buy in. But, um, I would say the thing that our business problem has is that we were climbing a ladder that was leaning against the wrong building. Okay. Um, and that is, is that we were, we were at a point where the percentage or the business mix that we have warranty business right. needed to change. Right. You know, what's the first rule of any business, um, uh, diversify your customer base as much as you can. Yeah. And then once you get your business to a certain point, diversify your business. Um, and so the, the, the overarching problem was, was growing out of the home warranty business right. or, or changing that business mix. Mm-hmm. So the way we did that was, um, I moved out of the call center. Okay. That was an extremely hard thing for me to do at, at first. Interesting. Okay. Um, we had an office set up that I had an office that we're sitting in right now. That was really a conference table, round table, and then um, kind of a big meeting table I'm looking at right now. Uh-huh. In the first three, four, five years, I probably spent a couple days in this office. Okay. I was out in the call center. So to move out of the call center was the, was the big one. Yeah. And then the next one was the straightforward pricing guide. Can't say enough good things about that. Right. We were flat rate, but we weren't presenting good, better, best options. We weren't, um, we weren't presenting, um, in the dynamic way that that pricing guide works. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I've used the example with the technicians, um, you go to the car wash, they have a laminated piece of paper that says, do you want, you know, the red, the green or the gold package? Right. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's so simple when you think about it. Well, uh, yeah. It, does the green package have armor? On? Yeah. I want the green package. Right. Well, you know, SGI has put that in a whole presentation book where there's a sales process that takes place that creates a customer experience. Right. Right. Rather than just, here's your price. Mm-hmm. So I, those were the two things that we really uh, focused in on. Interesting. What, uh, let's dig into the first one. Uh, Cause I'm intrigued. Why, why did you feel the need to be camped out in your call center back then? Um, well, I, in my opinion, if we were going to grow <clears throat> a lot of what was going on in the business was, around my desk mm-hmm. um, by design really we were trying to hold back the growth of the company so we could coach football and sure PTA which I still can't remember the name of that what was it PTF PTF <laughs> it was PTA when I was yes, going right anyway. I knew what you're talking about yeah, yeah. so um, yeah I, um, so by getting out of operations I became a coach okay. to the leaders in the company yeah. and um, um, it was all sitting in my head how to run the business. Right. And the reason we met, went to SGI is, is that I have my own vocabulary. We needed a common vocabulary right. and the hub provides that. Right. Okay. Yeah. 
um, they streamline. Plus, um, I don't know that I wanted to teach them what was in my head. I, if you're looking at 900 companies and you got best practices, why not do that? Right. Right. Okay. All right. right. What would you say about that, Jenny? Uh, what was tough about? Well, I think we both came to the conclusion that we both had so much in our head that it needed to be, it needed to be put down in processes. Yeah. And so that anyone could step in into that certain position and be able to do those tasks, understand how it worked. And that's a real danger when two people are absorbing everything that's going on. Right. Yeah. Right. So that's what we talked about. And SGI is the vehicle to help you get to that and right. to train, train your team members consistently the same way and um, be able to communicate the same message to everybody like okay. Brent was saying. Okay. So getting you out of the call center was gave you the time, you both the time to focus on these systems and processes and how to streamline things, it sounds like. Yes. Okay. Wonderful. Wonderful. All right. What, what, how much of your business was warranty work when you first started with us? Um, from a revenue perspective, probably about 50% okay. of our business was Home Shield. Okay. But here's from a resources standpoint, oh. meaning labor, materials, mm-hmm. office time, sure. billing, all of that. I would say it was sucking. That's <laughs> uh, not, not very professional. I'm sorry. That's all right. I knew where you're going. About <laughs> 75% of our resources for 50% of our revenue. Right. I mean, from an accounting standpoint, I was sitting there when I say lean, lean against the wrong building. Um, it was interesting when, when on the last day, and this, this true story is I turned, I I put my $5 million plan together Mm -hmm. and I think we left EP and I came back all excited. I said, Jenny, I said, look, the plan shows that we're going to get there in, in four to five years. Yeah. And I looked at Missy on the last day and I said, you know, here's the plan. Here's our, here's our BHAG. I mean, you think we can really do this? Yeah. And, um, and, and she was very candid. She goes, Oh, oh heck yes. And she, <laughs> might have, she might have shared a little expletive in that, yeah. but, but she said, are you kidding me? Yeah. And I just couldn't see it. And that was the first time where good coaches see the potential in people before they see it in themselves. Yeah. And so we're sitting here, what, two and a half years Two years later, yeah, um, I had to go back to EP and reset the number because we're about at eighty-five percent of goal. Yeah, that's the answer. Um, you know, so good problem to have. Yeah, for yeah. sure, for sure. But that's a lot. But you, you guys have have changed a lot because I, I, I don't, I won't say I'm an expert on on home warranty, but I, I know roughly how it works. And to go to this residential service model is is a big change. Um, and so let's talk about that change a little bit. Cause you, you said there's some team members that elected not to come or maybe along with this, this change, this journey. Uh, how did you communicate to them that you're not going to go in and fix something and leave? You're going to use the straightforward pricing guide and uh, we're going to build value and we're going to use an inspection sh- form and we're going to build options. Like, 
did you have a big sit down with the team and go, you know, life's about to get different, but here's how it benefits you or how did that go? That's a great question. Um, so it came back and, and our problem was like a Rubik's cube because our, our business was very profitable. I mean, it, at that 2 million, we were doing double digit net income. Right. Um, and, and I don't even want to talk about how we did that through home warranty because once again, it's not something I want to replicate. Right. But, but we just used technology and leveraged some things. And, um, so that was in March when I left EP and I got challenged within the next 60 days because we, we talked about flat rate books. That was an easy sell yeah. because it, you can see it, feel it. That wasn't a problem. And, um, and it was a real easy sale to get me out of operations. I think they thought that was going to be a piece of cake for them. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, but once we started heading down a certain road, yeah. our, I felt like, and I talked to Missy, our biggest challenge was how do we unravel what we're doing warranty wise and move toward retail right. or residential, I think is the SGI word. Right. Kind of having one foot on the dock and one on the boat and not falling in the water because at a certain point we could lose one or the other and not support the overheads. Sure. I mean, this decision, in my opinion, um, there was a point of no return where bankruptcy might be an option. Right. I mean, um, it would have been far better to just start from scratch. We didn't have that luxury. Right. So there was a month in May and I'm, and I, I know you'd be shocked. I've got a spreadsheet in front of me. It shows like two years. We well, said but, you had the accounting background, so I'm not that surprised. Yeah. So in the last 24 months, and, and, and really we've only been with SGI for, what, 20 months now, I think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we joined in January of 2019. Yeah, yeah, let's go ahead and call it 24 months. Yeah. But we didn't start implementing anything until March, right. March, April. Sure. In the month of May, we missed our budget by $67,000. Wow. And, and... So that was 24%. And we were kind of into some of the key initiatives and I was about ready to hyperventilate. And those were, those were good calls with Missy walking me back from the cliff. Right. Um, we hung in there and, and then we have had, we closed that year 15% over prior, Wow. you know, and, and I will tell you that it was not an easy shift. Right. Um, it took an amount of courage to, I mean, that, that may tested me. Sure. I don't know what it's like for you during that month, Jenny, Sure, but it, I mean, to sit here and say, Oh yeah, it was just a piece of cake. And, um, <laughs> and we weren't challenged and there weren't some times where, I mean, may was a real, real test right. for me. Support for this podcast comes from Home Depot Pro. With an inventory of more than 100,000 products, the Home Depot Pro's product selection includes both the name brands you seek and the exclusive brands you trust. For more information, go to www.ebarnett.com. Welcome back to the show. You're listening to my conversation with Brent and Jenny Garrett of Sirius Plumbing and Air Conditioning in Dallas, Texas. 
Brent and Jenny have already detailed their journey through contracting, including how Sirius came about. They've talked about how they found SGI and why they decided to join the group in an effort to diversify their business away from being so warranty heavy as well as grow it. But as Brent and Jenny have shared, it wasn't an easy and immediate transition. In the second half of my chat with Brent and Jenny, they'll explain how they solved these immediate challenges and how it meant even new leaders in their management team. Brent and Jenny also talk about many other facets of serious plumbing and air conditioning that I found enlightening. They talked about their core values and how they've affected their culture. They talk about how they eventually got their entire team behind them and all the big changes that ultimately led to these big results. And they share so much more. So let's jump back into our conversation and hear their thoughts. What turned that around in in June and beyond? It, was it your team using straightforward pricing guide maybe and you're getting better tickets? Uh, was it just dedicating more resources towards the retail side and, and getting away from all the time suck that is home warranty? Pardon my language. But what, what do you think were the big launching points to get you what out you, of that you, hyperventilation? Um, well, we added a couple of trucks okay. for one thing. And I think we were, had already been discussing that, that we needed, we needed two or three more trucks on the road. We needed a, a couple more plumbers. And I think during that time is when we did hire a few more people. And when the, anyone that we brought on board since that time, they, we have, we have looked at them as a residential plumber. That okay. We're not hiring them to do warranty work. We're hiring them to run the flat rate book and grow that segment of the business right. as the SGP model. Right, right. I would I would go back to the humble, hungry, smart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We had some arrogant, lazy, and not so bright True. folks. True. Um, and, our, and our culture is to be honest, committed, caring. Mm-hmm. Um, we ask four things to everybody that show up on time, do what, you're gonna, what, do what you say you're going to do, follow through, say please and thank you. And we just, we really... Don't term people. Yeah. Right. Um, we hold them accountable. And we were in that phase where we were holding people accountable and, um, and they quit. Right. I mean, I think really good managers help somebody realize that this is not for them. Right. As opposed to saying, um, walking in one day and surprise them that they're gone. Right. So I would say May was the culmination of 30 to 60 days of having those one-on-ones with team members that, that really weren't bought in. Right. And eventually they um, found opportunities outside the firm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, you know, and, but, you know, we're not a yell and scream environment. Right. You know, it's, it's, um, you know, and, I know I don't want to get high centered on that, but we had to go through that. Yeah. Um, and it, we did not have a revenue problem. Mm-hmm. It was a cultural change. Yeah. Yeah. And here's the interesting thing. Our growth, our growth has been over the last two years, we've probably spent less than 2% of sales on advertising. Really? Yeah. Wow. Jenny's right. Some of it is, um, we, you know what? We had a lot of pent up opportunity right. and demand that we were holding back for years because it was a lifestyle business. Right. And we just 
just bought trucks and they kept running calls. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So, um, the real key was to not grow too fast and lose our culture. Right. Right. Yeah. But, but it sounded like, I don't know if you had, you guys sound, you know, I don't know want to say you had a culture issue, but maybe there was a complacency issue. You think with, with your team at that point that they had just gotten comfortable in doing a certain amount of warranty calls and, and, you know, now you're asking them to do more. And, and was that, you know, that's a, that's another really good question. Here's what we've always had a culture of mm-hmm. uh, being honest, committed, caring. And, and, um, I had some really good coaches when I was in college and high school. Yeah. Um, and one of the coaches said the best way to motivate a team is to get rid of the unmotivated players. Yeah. Um, what, when it started to really take off is when I started teaching or coaching and, and we always lived it, Jenny and I always lived it, but put the, what with the, why with our culture. Okay. Um, and we're, we're a little, I think we're a little different in the sense, um, not unique. We're just a little different in the sense that I came from the Midwest and, um, our strategy is a customer for life. Yeah. We believe that you can share sheep three times a year. <laughs> you can only skin it once. Right. Um, and that doesn't mean that we're afraid to charge a price that, that matches the service we provide. Right. Um, but when it took off was when the, the team leaders bought into the culture because then they started holding the line. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we put the, what with the why? And I think that's when we started attracting a different type of team member because we didn't really have the retail immediately to put that tech right. with them. Right? right. Right. So our biggest sale was trying to get a non-warranty tech right. to come join our team because there's a lot of, um, negative press about that business segment for a tech. Yeah. Right. Um, and like I said, I'm not going to get too deep in the details about how we're different, but, um, our culture drove how we t- treat our techs. Yeah. And we kind of want them one out one after another. And I think word kind of got out that, Hey, um, they do it a little differently and it doesn't match up with what they've heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So, so, um, when you, was it new people that eventually helped drive your retail business or were there certain, did you have techs that bought in into this? Absolutely. Retail? I mean, we, our, our average retention yeah. with a team member, um, overall is about two to four years. Okay. That's if they have been with us a year, the retention rate on that group is four to six years. Great. Okay. So no, we had a number of team members that, um, that, that stayed. Here's what, here's what was unique. Yeah. The people who left Jenny primarily were managers. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which, which was really interesting because it, it provided an opportunity to promote from within. Yeah. And then bring some new team members in. Yeah. Um, there was our next, one of our biggest significant pieces 
was about a year in when we hired a call center yes. manager. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That, that understood the path and where we were headed. Okay. Um, what, without, without naming names, but what, what position, what leadership positions changed over? Was it a service manager or who did you lose? Well, so our structure, because we were at 2 million meant that we had a manager over both departments. Mm-hmm. And, uh, quite honestly, um, that player is no longer with us. Right. Um, and in our culture, we were, we were really committed to that yeah. person growing. And I don't know if it's, if it was just the change overall or it was the emotional, um, view yeah. from your chair that, um, what am I searching for? Oh, I'm going to use a cubby thing. Um, he had a scarcity mentality that there was only so much pie <laughs> instead of having an abundance mentality from if we continue to grow, we continue to create opportunities. Maybe as we grow, your, your skill set is best served in this area, but you don't go backwards. Right. You're just more focused. Right. Um, you're going to wear one or two hats instead of eight. Yeah. Yeah. And that just never... Yeah. And, you know, I, I still, I still assume a lot of responsibility for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one thing I've learned in, in the two years is you can't want something for somebody more than they want it for themselves. Exactly. Exactly. Sure. You know, and I, I think, I think that was really some of the issues you become, um, so committed to somebody's success that it blurs you sometimes when you say, Hey, look, maybe they're just, this isn't what they want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. So did you have technicians that, that elevated into that role or was it like, we did. Yeah, yeah we did. In fact, these team leads, um, were, uh, one, one of the individuals been with us five, six years. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's an above average tech, but I, I saw a few years ago that he, he really has some, uh, really gifted management skills. Yeah. Uh, um, direct, um, could, could be a cheerleader yeah. when he needed to. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so he's the team lead for the home shield side of the business. Okay. Okay. And what we're looking at home shield now, or I should say home shield, should I, uh, home warranty, uh, <laughs> Um, Bleep. yeah, <laughs> um, is we're using the home warranty business now as a minor league system to bring people up and through into the residential and retail side of the business. Right. Right. And we're about ready to, uh, to promote a team lead for retail. Um, and the other, the team leads on the HVAC side have come from up from Within. That's yes. great. That's great. Yeah. So we're using it as a proving ground more technically, it sounds like. Or is it even communication and the fact that you know they gotta to talk to a homeowner and, and there's certain processes you, you want them to follow. Is that is that are you using it as a as a minor league of sorts? Yeah, we don't we don't differentiate warranty from retail. Okay. Okay. The only thing we differentiate is on warranty, we go in to fix what's broken. Right. What's failed. 
but we're still giving them options really okay on things that might be preventative so we're going to give them a must should and could option because so we we are expecting that apprentice through the level 3 plumber on the warranty side to run the same process okay in the introduction, the definition of the problem, providing the solution and the close. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, our sales process just follows SGI. Okay. The greeting, um, discovering opportunities together. Um, and, and, and I'll tell you what, um, after going through EP the second time, um, I, I really probably am going to go to EP every year. Good for you. Um, yeah, there are things that I heard in EP this last session that I either wasn't prepared or ready to hear. Right. I know they covered it. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, but all that's important is you leave EP with your three things or right. your four things to do. Right, right, right. For sure. Yeah. And I think the next step is to start taking the team with me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or they go and, and I pop in or something like that. I don't know. Sure. Well, well, talk to me about the the, the details of, of the home warranty. So I, I, I you know, I'm a homeowner. I've, I've used a home warranty company before. Typically, you know, they cover, you know, if I have a broken faucet or whatever, they cover that. How do you how do you build a ticket on home warranty stuff? Because I thought, doesn't it cover most things? Or I mean, how how do you how do you uh, build a retail ticket when you're there on a home warranty call? Yeah, so let's just assume that you've got a stopped-up lab sink. Yeah. Um, we're going to get a work order for that, and that's a must. That's obvious, right? right. That's a must solution. Right. Uh, Mrs. Homeowner, um, Mr. Homeowner, um, you, you have a sink here. Here's our retail number for that. We're already starting to build the value equation. I jumped through the whole greeting and all that, yeah, yeah. but we're at the magic moment. Um, hey, Mer- uh, warranty company is going to pay for that. Right. This costs you nothing. Right. Okay. Isn't that exciting? Yeah. Now, while I'm here, American Home Show, <laughs> warranty company has paid for me to be here. Right. Here are things that you probably should do. And guess what? I can charge you the club price for this. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, and that leads to a club discussion. I was going to ask about that. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I know that, and this is how we're kind of navigating through from warranty to retail. We obviously would never do that on a retail call. Sure. But the truth of the matter is, if I can get my average ticket up on a warranty call, there are two or three things really good that are happening. Number one, we're dropping more to the bottom line. Yep. Tech's gaining confidence. They're running a process that they know they have to run when they get to the big leagues. Right. <laughs> but, but we're getting paid while they're learning. Yeah. Right. Um, so rather than when it was a lifestyle business, this is where we're getting our money from. It's now we're using that as a training ground, if you will, mm-hmm. and working them from an apprentice up through. So, um, what we do is turn to the customer and say, um, really while I'm here, what you should do is have me go ahead and look at this, Warranty company is not going to fix something that's not failed, right. but drain lines fail. Right. Now, we've already put the bio one bottle up on top of the table, <laughs> and it's been sitting there, and they're looking at that. Um, and so really 
you probably should let me go and clear these out. And because I'm already here and you've already paid for it, American Home Shield got us here. We can offer this price to you. Right. Now we show a value gap right. between what I'm paying and what I'm getting. Right. Price is exceeding uh, or values exceeding the price. And you know, do we get it all the time? What I want is I want the technician filling out that must should could option. Right. And so they're we're sending them to training class every day. Right. Right. And they're getting paid to do it. So it's 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 been a paradigm shift that we're no longer looking at the warranty business as um, our primary source. It's now um, technician university. Right. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yeah. All right. Let's, let's pursue the training angle a bit. So you had to, you had to learn the process. You had to learn how to use the guide and build value and, and build the options. Did you go to like learning Alliance to, to kind of learn that? Or did you just kind of teach yourself and then teach your team through regular trainings or how did that, um, that indoctrination come about? Yeah, we, we, um, in the last, in the last quarter, we have joined Learning Alliance, mm-hmm. and we also joined um, ASI. Okay, great. So we, so, um, and we use we use Learning Alliance often. Yeah. Um, and we use that as a oh break break the training up and then have discussion afterwards. Sure, sure. Um, uh, we're just starting to get into. We've had we've had technicians go to um, service essentials. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I went to that first. Right. That was probably about six months in. Okay, that's what I was. Yeah. And I, you know, I think I think one of the things I want to make sure everybody's clear on. We've had this kind of success, and I can't tell you that we're running step by step the process. Right. Because I'm still. We are still trying to get this team to stay with us and buy in. So we're we're feathering it in sure. as we go. So I don't I don't want to give you the impression that everybody is is there, but we are trusting the process, yeah. doing the work, and wearing the uniform. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, by, by the way, was that a new? Was that a change? A uniform? And, and the part of that value proposition is, is looking the look or did you guys always, yeah. Oh yeah. We, we uh, to my point, I think we just finally got there a couple months ago. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. I mean, no, we, everybody had uniforms, but, but did everybody have the hat correct? And did they have the shirt correct? And did they have the name badge and they know why, right. you know, you can make somebody do something. Right. Or you can get them to buy in and buy in, they will do it because they understand the, what with the why and how it translates to success out in the field. Right. If we just make them do it, they're only going to do it when they're in the office. Right. Right. So, um, yeah, the mannequin went up (laughs) serious Sam scared us all to death for a while. Yeah. We weren't used to being there. (laughs) Yeah. I think somebody called him son of Sam. Yeah. Serious Sam. And so we actually took a headshot of the mannequin yes, again. and put him on the badge. Yes. That's great. That's even scarier. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Well, if it's any any consolation, we some we always scare each other going into the uh, training room 
like inevitably someone's going to turn it, walk in there, go, oh, you know, because we forget yeah. the, the mannequins yeah. in there, even though he's been in there the whole time. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Exactly um, what all right. So you have said the what with a why a, a number of times. So what what was the difference for every, for the people that are buying in? And, and, you know, it sounds like more than ever the team is bought in. What has it just been seeing the retail side grow and seeing the results and, and then buying because they have the proof that it works? And it was scarier before, but now I'm seeing it works. Has that been, has that been the reason that the more the buy-in? Do you have any? Do you have anything? Well, I want to, I'm, I'm trying to think. I think on that. you know, change is hard. Yeah. And then when you're used to doing something the same way for a very long time, it's 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 scary. It's threatening. Right. Um, and then some people, I think, like Brent said, who are no longer with us, they were just kind of complacent. Sure. But. Um, being able to arm them with the things they need, like um, the flat rate book yeah. and the training. And then, then they see the results when they're out there and they're successful. Mm-hmm. Well, they've got the confidence to keep doing it every day. And so they've, they've had that repetitive, those repetitive achievements with our customers. Right. And so it's much easier to buy in once you see that, Hey, it works. And if you try, you've got to trust the system. Sure. And so I'm sure when you've done something one way for a very long time, it is hard to change over and start trusting that. For sure. Yeah. Um, thanks, Jenny. I needed that time to think about this question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know what? I think one of the things I want to make sure is clear is, is that it's really not you or I. Yeah. No. Um, you're playing more tennis now, so. <laughs> um, which is, which is really cool. Um, it's our team. Yeah. It's our team. It's, it's, we have a great group of folks and, um, and I'm emotional about it. Um, they're the ones that are creating the results. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. Mm -hmm. So, um, the, what with the, why I think, um, when I get the opportunity to talk to them, I talk about the radio station, W I I F M what's in it for me. (laughs) And so what we try to do is start with a process to say, here's where we're, here's where we're going. This is why we need to do this. Here's the change we need to make. And then the last part is what's in it for you. And, and we try to line that up with how it affects them. And I will give Missy the credit for that again, because as a business owner, especially as somebody who, justifies by looking at a spreadsheet and a yeah. P&L and a balance sheet. What's important to the owner, and Missy was really clear about this, it's not that the, the owner or the leader doesn't realize it. It's just we just sometimes don't walk in their shoes enough or have the empathy. Sure. But the issue is this. It won't sell if they don't listen. Yeah. Right. And they're not going to listen if it's not about them, so make it about them. That's great. And, and, um, you know, you start making it about you. That's not very humble. And, um, uh, you know, I, so I, I guess I would say the, what with the why is, is we, we, we tell them what we have to do, where we're headed, why it's important, how important you are to that. And if you do it, Hey, guess what? Yeah. It might help the business, but this is how it helps you. Right. Right. And, um, that's where we get our biggest growth. Right. 
Like it gets it becomes exponential when we can get the team to do it, which they are. Yes. Yeah. And it's not you and I. Yes. Yeah. You know, oh, that's just Brent and Jenny talking about, you know, when they start hearing it from their peers and their leaders, there's just this, um, I mean, it's exactly like a rocket taking off. The first 10 feet is really slow. Yeah. Um, but, you know, a minute later, it's Mach 6 down line. <laughs> and, and that's what it's like when you get all the team kind of saying the same thing yeah. about what we're trying to do and where we're trying to get to. Right. How, how frequently are you communicating with them? So, you know, I always ask in, in these interviews, how often you're training, how often you get together with your team. Are, are, are you meeting daily with them? I mean, especially in those early days when you're changing so much uh, and, and how much um, are you meeting together today? We were meeting on a relatively frequent basis, and that would be maybe once a week when we first started. Yeah. Um, but here recently in the last, uh, really last quarter, um, I'm meeting with them in the morning. I, my meeting schedule is to meet with the text. We just set up our training room. What? Um, two months ago. Wow. Okay. And we, we would, we would gather in, in the break room, but yeah. we have a training room now. Um, but, um, I meet with them on a daily basis, That's cool. um, three to four times a week. And is that everyone or just like your team leaders and managers? Well, Jenny can't have what well, two days a week if I don't get a day off. <laughs> I'm down. To, I'm down to a Monday through Thursday kind of schedule Good for you. So, so Monday I'll be present, but I'm not training. Yeah. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday I'm training. I'll meet with the techs around seven fifteen. Okay. Seven thirty. Um, sometimes it's trade specific, but Wednesday is a total team. Like today we had bio one Great. training. Yeah. Hey, we sold four bottles of buy one by the I saw today. that. that awesome. yeah. So, um, but then at eight 30, I meet with all the team leads in the field to go over, um, an abbreviated, uh, DMER. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, go through the numbers. What are we doing to drive today and tomorrow? Great. What are we doing with staffing? Yeah. What's the sales funnel? Right. How'd we do yesterday? And that's a process. And that's pretty much it for my meeting day, except at 11, I meet with the assistant GM and the call center manager. Yeah. And that's kind of a big rocks discussion. Yeah. What's, what's the biggest problem? What's the um, really important, not urgent thing that we should be working on? Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty much done for the day. I get to, I go back in my hole and watch what's going on. <laughs> right. No, that's the, you're, you're playing the instruments. That's, that's where, that's where you're at. at that. That's great. Um, yeah. you mentioned staffing and you have had some changeover and you've had technicians you're adding, uh, and it sounds like, uh, you're going to be adding more. Um, how are you finding people? Are you hiring primarily all green people now to the industry and, and training them up or, you know, that that's the million dollar question. So where, where, what kind of people are you recruiting? Where are you finding them? Um, man, I'm going to go back to Missy and EP, mm -hmm. um, recruiting has to be a process mm -hmm. and it has to be something that you do and you invest in, not something you do when you need to fill a position. So we post on Craigslist at three forty-five every Friday. That's great. Yeah. Okay. And, um, 
the call center manager has three primary folks. One is obviously the call center. Yep. It's about 60% of their time. Um, then we break the remainder up into marketing, mm-hmm. um, which include, includes social media. That kind of stuff. We do zero pay-per-click. Wow. But really? I can't say enough great things about, um, placement SEO. Oh, good. Uh, That's great to hear. Six months and they are just doing a phenomenal job. Great. Um, but, um, the other part is recruiting. Okay. And, um, the one thing that I am probably going to be very, very hesitant to let go of is, <laughs> is the initial interview. Okay. Uh, I just, I can't, I, I don't know how big's too big. Yeah. Um, but that's going to be the last thing I, I let go of because, like I said, um, our getting the team right is really important. Getting the right people on the bus and then yeah. getting them in the right seats yeah. is really important. Um, hey, I do want to say something. I went to an expo. <laughs> well, it wasn't, wasn't this year, was it? <laughs> um, went to an expo, and we had grown, like I said, about 15%. Yeah. And I went to a breakout, and Jimmy Dale – Oh yeah. Now I said, I'd listen to Missy. I didn't say I'd listen to anybody else. Yeah. But Jimmy Dale says, if you want to get to X, first thing you need to do is hire a recruiter. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sitting back there in the room and I, and I'm going, well, <laughs> I'm not sure I buy into that. Yeah. You know, I don't know. The first thing. Well, I'm sitting here at about 4 million going, Jimmy Dale is the smartest guy in the room because that's exactly right. We, we, well, we didn't. Well, we haven't hired a recruiter. We hired a call center manager, and a large portion of their their job is they are posting. Yeah, they are handling that. Who's going to be the best on the phone with an incoming person? Well, it's going to be somebody who handles the phone every day. Yeah, and nobody sells the company on the first impression better than our call takers and our call manager, exactly. call center manager. So um, she's doing that. Mm-hmm. And, um, the next thing is, is that, that I'm busy with them. There was one time when she said, Hey, look, I think this is what we're looking for. She has a really good ear for it. And, um, he can't meet with you until Monday X, Y, Z. And he was off that day. Okay. And I said, well, we, would he meet me at Waterburger in about an hour? Yeah. She called and said, yeah. And so, I think, I think that's just having a sense of urgency. Well, if I don't give up in operations, if I don't have the free time, I can't fly out the door and do that. Yep. Um, and uh, you're in St. Louis. You don't have Whataburger in St. Louis, do you? No, but I'm very familiar. I get down to so Dallas sorry. enough, thankfully. I do like <laughs> yeah, that. We're going to have missed a Whataburger opportunity. <laughs> and nor was he. And we hired, we hired that individual. Yeah. Yeah. Is that right? But yes. Yeah. Because you were available for the opportunity. That's great. Um just a couple more because I don't want to go take too much of your time. And I mean, you guys are, have, have been very enjoyable to talk with uh, and, and hearing about your journey. But because people are so important, I do want to pursue this a little bit. So you mentioned the hungry, humble, spark. When you're talking to someone and you're trying to get an idea of their personality and whether or not they'll fit, do you ask yourself, is this person hungry, humble, smart? Or what, what do you go over in your mind as you're talking to them to see if they will fit your company and culture? Do you want to, you just, you guys just hired a bookkeeper. Oh, Um, I I think absolutely. Um, I think you get a gut feeling about somebody when you're sitting and talking to them and you think, 
hey, they're really going to gel very well with whatever group that they're going to be working with most of the time. And that's probably not quite quite the same for a technician because a technician is more autonomous, but especially when you're looking for someone that's going to be working in the office or in the call center, that's really important um, how they come across to you. And it was a deciding factor actually on this last person that we just hired because we felt like um, the assistant GM and I were like, I really think this person's going to work well with our group, even though we had another candidate that maybe was slightly had slightly more experience in some things, but we felt like this individual was going to be more open to learning, okay. had an attitude, and was humble, hungry, smart. And so absolutely that that plays into the selection of somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think I would agree with you. I think one, one of the things that we're trying to get to, best case scenario is, can we have, can we find three candidates that are, all of them could do a good job? Yes. Yeah. And then our question is, out of those three, who are going to fit best, you know, and that's where we start using some of the tools like the disc profile and those types of things. Um, because we do that not only for, is that a good fit, but to supply the manager with, Hey, look, this person's probably going to be more receptive to this approach rather than that approach. Yeah. Um, for me, I'm looking at, I think, I think that the arrogant thing's pretty easy to pick up on the next first person. Couple yeah, of I was about to say yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah, that's your gut you yeah. that you were talking about. Yeah. The, um, the hungry piece is really important to me and the culture piece. Um, and, you know, um, our, like I said, our culture is, I got to come up with a better way to explain it rather than skin or sheer. But, um, <laughs> but you know, that's how they talk on the farms in Illinois. So, um, anyway, so um, I want to know if they have any drive. Right. You know, do they have a plan for themselves? And so, I I learned um, a question years and years ago from an entrepreneur coach. It's um, and his name's Dan Sullivan out of Toronto, and he calls it the R factor question. And he says, his, his, the question goes like this. If we're sitting here three years from now, both personally and professionally, and we're looking back at, at, at you having a, a successful career here, what's going to have to happen to you in those three years for you to be happy and satisfied with your progress? Yeah. And what Dan taught us was, and it's, it's, it's a great question because what they do is they visualize a path. And if the person says, and sometimes it takes a little bit of prodding because it's, it's an uncomfortable, kind of unusual question. Uh, but once you get them into it, what you're trying to do, if somebody can say, I want to be making this much, I want to do this, I want to be at this level, there's two things going on. I'm writing down where they want to be. Right. We're trying to decide if, if, if we aren't the company and we can't get them there, I'm going to be honest with them and say, I don't, I don't see us getting there. And that doesn't happen very often. Yeah. If I get a candidate that said that doesn't say much and I'm trying to pull it out of them, you know, Hey, do you, you want a new motorcycle? Do you want a house? Do you, 
do you want to better this or better that? Yeah. You know, uh, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs would tell you we want tomorrow to be better than today. Sure. If, if they can't answer that question, they don't have a lot of drive. Right. And that, that doesn't make them a bad person. That just means that they haven't sat down to think about what they want in a job or what they want in order in joining a company. Well, I can't help or we can't help somebody get someplace that they can't identify. Right. So I, I think for me, that would be the, so I'm looking for humble, hungry, smart. What's their character. Um, and you know, interesting enough, when I have the interviews, what I've found is, um, what we're looking for, they've learned somewhere between three and seven years old with their parents. That's interesting. You know? Yeah. I mean, it really is. They, um, that's, that's where they are. So we're looking, we're looking for a character and culture. Um, if it's a good fit at that point, then, and only then do we send them to a team team lead if it's in the field. Okay. Actually the bookkeeper is the first one that I hadn't done the initial interview. Yeah. Um, you guys came to me and said, we like this or that or this. And based on what you're saying, this one sounds better. Um, and then I, I visited with them and shared, the four things we expect and that kind of, it was already decision was made. Yeah. Um, what was it? Oh, there was only one thing that I wanted to know from them was, um, it was a question around confidentiality and NDAs and, and those types of things because of the nature of the work. Um, were they clear that, Hey, look, your position's a little different. You're dealing with things that aren't public, yeah. you know, they're private, that kind of thing sure. or secure. But, um, that R factor question is probably the most important thing for me. That's great. That's great. All right, guys. Well, last question and wrapping up, I could talk to you guys all day. I love the, the thoughtful answers and it's has been really enjoyable. Um, you went back to EP recently. You had to rethink your goal. What, what's the goal? What's the new goal? Cause it sounds like you're, you know, you said you're 85% to the original one, right? So what, what do you see uh, for the future for, for serious? Man, I, that's the one I wasn't ready for. Uh, <laughs> I might need to go look at my book. Let me see if I can remember what it is. I think, um, I think, uh, pretty much what it is is that I'm uh, that we have a GM in place okay. within the next three to four years, seven and a half million. Great. Um, and, um, oh, I know what it is. I'm not working in a month that ends in ER. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's what it is. Good for uh, you guys. I don't, I'll still be working. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't you let like it too much. Yeah. You so, like it too much. I can tell. I, I do want you to understand. I hope it comes loud and clear. These, this growth and these results really have less to do with the people on this call and more to do with the team. Right. And what they've done. I love it. Yeah. That's they've cool. been outstanding. That's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, if you get the right people around you, great things can happen. So, yeah. well, Brent and Jenny, I, I cannot thank you enough for all your time. I know you guys have, you've been working the system a little bit, but you still have only been in it for what you said, 20 some odd months. So I'm, uh, I'm very excited to, to, to meet you in person at an upcoming expo and, and see how you continue to grow the business. Uh, it sounds like uh, you guys got a, a long uh, exciting road ahead of you because um, you, I think you're, you're going to make it happen. So I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. 
Thank you, and thanks to SGI. Oh, it's been our pleasure to serve. So you guys have been wonderful. Missy, and what a great job she did. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I'll have to let her know. I guess I'll have to let her know. That's great. And that Ray was right. (laughs) Well, I can't tell Ray that. Oklahoma City, it was a beautiful stop. (laughs) (laughs) That's wonderful. That's funny. All right, guys, thank you so much for your time. Have a wonderful day. You too. too. Bye-bye. All right, take care. Bye-bye. That's Brent and Jenny Garrett, owners of Sirius Plumbing and Air Conditioning in Dallas, Texas. Thanks for listening to the show. If you feel like you have a great story worth sharing that would also help other contractors, email me at bhouchen at yoursgi.com. Also, if you enjoyed today's episode, please give us a rating. And remember, friends give fives. You've been listening to the Successful Contractor Podcast, powered by Success Group International. Support for this podcast comes from Minuteman Press to Pair. Minuteman Press to Pair is a complete marketing service provider offering professional design and direct mail services. We have an extensive knowledge and experience in the residential service industry, as Minuteman Press to Pair has been helping SGI members with price guides, inspection forms, club materials, postcards, and more since 2001. Minuteman Press to Pair is the only Minuteman location affiliated with the SGI Preferred Partner Network, providing you with member rebates and discounts. Contact Denise today for more information at 877-203-4769. The Successful Contractor Podcast is part of the Success Group International family. SGI is the largest member-owned best practices organization for independent residential services contractors. SGI provides its members a competitive edge through proven proprietary management tools and expertise, marketing programs, training, and group buying power along with a highly active and eager-to-help membership. For more information about Success Group International, visit www.yoursgi.com. The Successful Contractor Podcast is a production of the Aquila Investment Group, LLC, All Rights Reserved 2021.